Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. So this season, we're in a, a series called Christmas With Us. And the basic idea is that <clears throat> there's a story that's told in the Gospel of Luke of that night, that first moment when Jesus was born. And so the angels who ended up appearing that night said things and sang things. Maybe they sang them. There's a debate whether they sang them or said them. It really doesn't matter to me. It just was a great night. And what they said really makes this season worth celebrating. And so today, I want you to think about this. The first thing the angel said to the shepherds, I got some good news for you. Good news. Now, the word good news, as we'll see it in the text, and by the way, if you've got a Bible, go ahead and turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. Luke is the only one that really gives us this narrative. Uh, Matthew talks a little bit about the birth, and Mark is pretty quick, <laughs> and so is John from a different perspective. But Luke is the Gospel out of the four that really kind of helps us hear some of these details. The word in chapter 2, we're going to start reading in verse 8 and read through 14. But tucked in there, there is that announcement that it's good news. Now, the word good news in the Greek is one word. And it's actually the word from which we get the word gospel. So it's like the angel saying, hey, this is gospel. But that word good news was not unusual to announce something, something special. So the shepherds wouldn't have been totally taken back by that. They understood that word. In fact, the Roman Caesar at the time was named Caesar Augustus, or as some knew him, Octavian, okay? Do you know why we have a month called August? Caesar Augustus. You know how, why we have a month named July? Julius Caesar. So the point is, they had incredible impact all over the world, literally. When Caesar Augustus was born, many years before the birth of Christ, they announced it as good news. Same words. The only thing is, Caesar Augustus is dead. He's gone. Rome, it's still a city. It's not an empire. So you can't possibly equate the good news of Caesar's birth with the good news of Jesus' birth. In fact, C Caesar used to say, I found Rome a city of clay, but when I left it, it was a city of marble. Well, I've been to Rome several times. You know what's left of that marble? Ruins. It's not the same. Not all good news is good. In fact, every once in a while we get feeds. I don't know what news feeds you follow, but you'll get these notifications on your phone, and I'll look down, and man, I'm like, oh my goodness, really? And then I'll open the article, and oh, come on. No, no, no. 
That's not good. In fact, I went back and found some examples of news. Now, some of these are, are older, much older. But it gives you a good feel for, uh, no, not all news is ne necessarily news. Look at this. State population a double by 2040. Babies to blame. Really? <laughs> Man, my life is complete now that I got that news. All right, how about this one? Statistics show that teen pregnancy drops off significantly after age 25. <laughs> so if you're still a teenager at 25, good news. We hate math, says 4 in 10, a majority of Americans. <laughs> Does that tell you anything about this country? <laughs> Bridges help people cross rivers. Wow. See, not all news is news. And this is my favorite, man arrested for everything. That's a Florida man. <laughs> Happens every day in Florida, right? Man is arrested for everything. It's not always news. In fact, what's weird, they tell us that we are more likely to click on a negative news story than we are a positive. 60% more likely to click on a story that's bad or that, that has something negative. That's why the media developed this saying, if it bleeds, it leads. How sad is that? So I got a question for you. When somebody walks up and says, hey, I got some good news and bad news. I know Rachel does this, and I'll do it to her sometimes. I got good news and bad news. Okay, I want you to be honest. We are sitting in church, okay? You've got to be honest. Which do you prefer hearing first okay just think about it I'm gonna have you raise your hand if I give you a choice we got some good news and bad news who always chooses the good news first raise your hand <laughs> wow who always chooses the bad news first look at that that's a great example okay I have you in mind as I tell this story Chick-fil-a went to the Pope and said uh we're going to make a gift of $300 million to the Catholic Church. But we want you to do something. We want you to change the prayer that you say and teach Catholics to say, give us this day our daily bread. We would like for you to change it to, give us this day our daily chicken for $300 million. And, and to which the, the Pope said, of all people, you guys ought to know you can't change the word of the Lord. You guys ought to know that, Chick-fil-A. Well, Chick-fil-A had anticipated the resistance, so they said, okay, 500 million. A half a billion dollars to change it to. Give us this day our daily chicken instead of bread, okay? Just 500, 500 million. The Pope goes, well, let me get back to you. He calls all the cardinals together. He said, guys, I got good news and bad news. Which one you want first? And they, unlike you, chose good news. They said, let's hear the good news. And he said, Chick-fil-A is going to give us $500 million dollars. Of course, they're all celebrating. And then one of them says, uh, what about the bad news? 
He said, we're going to lose the Sara Lee bread account. So <laughs> if, when you think about news, everything around it is what makes it really more important, right? Better. I started to say more gooder. No, it's everything going on around it. So imagine those shepherds. When they heard good news, what was going on around them? A broken world. It wasn't that much different than the world you live in and the world I live in. There were people who were devastated by the poverty of the day. There were people who were broken because of relationships. I mean, it, it was a world that had been waiting for something good to happen. And those shepherds knew there had been promises, and, and there, were, there were those saying, one day God's going to deliver us. God's going to bring a Messiah. One day God's going to fix everything. So think about it. They had only seen darkness. They'd only seen the bad. And even Micah, 700 years before, a prophet named Micah that actually spoke, and his message has been carried to them through a book called Micah in the Old Testament. Let me show you what Micah said. And you, O Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you, now Bethlehem not a big place, it's small. From you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel, 700 years before Jesus was born. You think those shepherds remembered this? I can tell you why they remembered it, this word. They knew what it was to be a shepherd. They knew what Israel needed was a shepherd. And after all, Bethlehem, that's where they're hanging out. So on that night, one of the greatest things ever happened is God did something for the brokenness of our world. The truth of it is every one of us this morning are broken people. The Bible says we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What does that mean? It just means we're not what he intended us to be. Why? Because there's an issue called sin that entered into this world and messed everything up. Every relationship, everything, even the environment, even, even creation around us has been affected and been touched. And we, like those shepherds, are hoping maybe this is the day. So whenever that angel appeared and said, this is the day. It was great news. So I want you to join me in reading from Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. We're going to start reading at 8. I want you to say it aloud, okay? Just speak it aloud with me. We're going to stand together. And some of you who were here last week said, well, we read this last week. Yes, we did. And guess what? We're going to read it again next week. And the next week. We're going to read this all through Christmas. Why? Because I want you to remember it. I want you to tuck it in your heart. And never forget the message that those shepherds heard that first night. So Luke chapter 2, if you got a Bible or if you got a, a phone, you can turn on the phone or whatever you got where you can access Luke 2. Start reading with me. Verse 8, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news 
of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. May the Lord add his blessing to this word. You may be seated. So what's so good about it? Is it really good news? Yes, it is. Let me tell you what I think is so good about it. Number one, it's for everybody. It's for everybody. Did you hear what the angel said? We'll go back and look at it. Fear not. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be, say it, for all the people. For all the people. For the people. I've heard that somewhere around here. For all the people. You say, well, does that really matter? Let me show you. Uh, this section right here. By the way, we have some good news for you. All of you are receiving $100 gift cards to Amazon just because you're sitting in the middle section. We call it the center section. <laughs> Not center, center section. We figure you need a little help. Now, if you're sitting there, and I'm saying this, and I mean it, but that you have a gift card coming, if you're over here, what are you thinking? You're thinking, that's not fair. But what about us? That's what the planet is thinking for those who have never heard this story. Did he come for them too? Did he come from those tribes and those, for those nations and those people that have never heard the name, or maybe they've heard it, but have never been taught you bet he did. There's some good news for you. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you spent last night. It doesn't matter who you slept with last night. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter what you have or don't have. It doesn't matter how you grew up. It doesn't even matter if you believe or not. This good news is to everybody. And that's one of the great things about Christmas. It's for all of us. Rick Warren was interviewed this week, and I, I caught just a part of the interview. And he was talking about Christmas, and he was relating this, and he said, you know, it's like most people believe in Christmas. They believe something really big happened, and God sent his son, and they can give you the verses. And he's talking about Christians now. He said, but what's amazing is there are a lot of people who don't really think that it was for them. It's like a great story for everybody else, or it's, it's hope for everyone else. But he said, the day it really hits you that this is good news for you, it changes this season. Well, I just want you to know, God brought you in this room, and he, God brought you to this stream, and God brought you to the TV to hear one thing. There's good news for you, no matter who you are. Second reason, it's good. It's because it's already here. You don't have to wait on it. We don't have to go out and hope. We know he is here. Look at what the angel said. And you have to see carefully. For unto you is born, say it, this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. In other words, these shepherds were used to waiting for, looking forward to, 
And man, when that angel said, nope, he's here. It's here. We have had the experience, Rachel and I, just loving on our grandkids, and it's just fun to kind of go back down that path. It's been a while since we had little ones that size. Do any of you have little ones who have trouble understanding the concept of waiting? Let <laughs> I me mean, can I just see your hand just so I can be a little encouraged? Thank you. Um, and, and do any of you, your kid's going to grow up and think Christmas is about Amazon? Um, when we have Ring on our phone, and so and at the house we have Ring, obviously, and so when somebody comes to the door or, you know, trips the cameras, whatever, it rings on your phone, literally. And everybody has that same ring. And every time they hear it ring, they think it's a package for them. <laughs> it's there. And they run, and they get it, and I'm going, no, that's from Bass Pro. That's not for, you, you know, something. They just, they love it. You know what's cool? Is that even though they may not understand waiting, there's some things in life you do have to wait for. But there's one you don't have to wait another day in your life. And that is for the hope you can have in Jesus Christ. He is here today. He is here today. There's no waiting. In fact, I just think sometimes we like, well, yeah, I know, but I'm not sure about it. Okay, you want a sign? The angel gave him a sign. Because the angel said, you're probably going to be standing in the field going, well, I'm not sure about that. Well, let me give you a sign and go look at it. And that's your sign. This is what the angel said. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. I mean, how cool is that? Go see for yourself. Can I just make an appeal to anyone in this room or streaming right now? And you've never tasted to see if the Lord is really good. You've never put your faith in him. You, you've never said, Jesus, I believe. You will never know until you see for yourself. It's one thing for me to tell you how great it is. It's one for me, thing for testimonies to be shared and people to get in the baptistry and talk about how great he is. But there's no reason you have to take somebody's word for it. Come and see Jesus Christ is here and he can change your life. That's what the sign is. And you know what they did? They went to see. And they saw him. And they knew it was for real. This news is great because it's here. And the last thing, this is good news because it's our only hope. It's our only hope. I may be, I'll be honest, and I'll show you in the text. It's our only hope. Go back to the Scripture. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a what? Savior. Savior. Now let's think about that word just a minute, Savior. That word was actually used of a lot of people. Jesus wasn't the only one that was called a Savior. In fact, the Romans used to call philosophers uh, saviors. They used to call doctors saviors. The Greeks, especially the philosophers that were saviors. That's a very common word in the vernacular of the day. I mean, it, there were people called saviors who were political leaders, were called saviors. But there's a difference. Even in the Old Testament, the word is used for those who won a battle, those who were 
leading in some way and, and did something great, the, the word Savior was used. But there is one difference. You hear us talk about, man, if we can just get this person elected. Well, that may be good because of what that person believes, and we'll always work for that. It's not a Savior. There's not a political person, political office in this country that is a Savior. Can I show you the big difference in what the angel was trying to get them to, to see? This might have been the same angel that had appeared to Joseph. And when, the appear, when he appeared to Joseph, he had this message to Joseph. This girl that you're hanging out with, she will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will, say it, save his people from their sins. Not another Savior ever mentioned is able to save from sin. There is only one. His name is Jesus. He's the only hope. Now think about it. There are great programs. There are great podcasts. There are great books. There's great political leadership. I mean, there's all kinds of things that can make a difference and, and be a part of God using. But I'm telling you, folks, there is only one name given among men whereby we can be forgiven of our sin. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the one and only. And let me show you how. Everything about sin started in the garden. The Garden of Eden, when, when sin entered through man, it messed everything up. They had, to get, they had to leave the garden. They couldn't come back. They realized they were naked. They had to clothe themselves. They were afraid of God. They're hiding under bushes. I mean, it, it's, it changed everything. We live in a world that has been touched by that sin, and you have been touched. So have I. For all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's just a verse that means none of us are what we were intended to be. Why? Is it because we hadn't heard the right podcast? Nope. Is it because we hadn't got a hold of the right book? Nope. We don't live in the right place? Hey, you want me to illustrate how it is in the neighborhood? What was wrong with Adam and Eve's neighborhood? It was perfect. Listen, guys, it's not about our neighborhood. It's not about our programs. It's not about all the stuff that changes the outside. We needed somebody to come and save us from the inside, to change our heart, and only one can do that. His name is Jesus. Give him praise. I just can't understand how he can change us from the inside. And the reason is, is because that's what sin is. People think sin is behavior. Well, sure, there, there is a thing called sinful behavior. But do you know where it starts? Right here. The Scripture says the heart is deceitfully wicked. It just says that all of us just are messed up on the inside. So no matter what we do the outside, it's messed up. So what did Jesus come to do? He came to fix that in here. So that we could then live the way we were intended to live. I, 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 some of you know this story. It's just one that helps me so much to get this truth. I had a 1976 Grand Torino. Man, beautiful. Got it the year it came out. 1976. Brown. I can remember the color. And I got this car and I was pastoring a little church in Arkansas. And there was a lake. I live a mile from a lake. Beautiful lake. 
went fishing with a friend, came back, filleted the fish, put the fillets in a bag, put them down on the console of that Grand Torino, drove home, parked my car, ran in, said, oh, I'll get the fish in a minute. One week later, <laughs> one week later in the summer, I returned from a camp where I'd taken a bunch of our students to a camp. I looked at my car, and I could tell something was wrong with it because something was all over it. Flies were like adhered to the paint. They were all over it. And I walked up, and I'm like, what is going on? And when I looked in the window, that bag had burst. And there was this awful-looking stuff on the console. So here I had a decision to make. Do I open the door? <laughs> because I knew what was coming. Or do I just get the hose, wash the car? I'll just clean it up. Yeah, I'll armor all the tires. Man, I'll get it looking great. I'll do a little wax job on it. I'll detail it. I'll get it looking great. Would that fix the problem? No. But see, we've created religion. We've created good behavior. We've created good works to try to clean up the outside, and it never changes the inside of man. There's only one way to change the inside. Get the fish out. And I remember opening that door. Oh, my goodness. When I sold that car, yes, I sold it. There was a little discoloration right there where that fish had been. I could smell it all the way to the very end. I don't care what I put in that thing. But I learned a lesson that day. You can look good on the outside, but if your heart has not changed, you're still the same person. You're messed up, you're broken, and your relationships will be broken until Jesus walks in and takes his rightful place, and that is on the throne of your heart. That's what's so good about this good news. He came to save us from our sin. And then it's not only just Savior. He calls him something else. Who is Christ? He's a Savior, and he's Christ. Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ is a title. Christ is something the Father gave him. It is a, a, an appointment, so to speak, of, of one. It's actually an anointing, chosen one. It's actually rare in the Old Testament, but it's used. And basically what it means is he's the ultimate chosen one from God. He is anointed by the Spirit of God. He is anointed with wisdom. He is anointed with everything. And he is the final priest, the final prophet, and the final king. He's the Christ. Those that had been waiting for, there was a messianic hope that said, man, we're going to get a Messiah, the chosen one. Well, guess what? He is that chosen one. And the last word, he uses three of them. The Lord. This is the biggest one. I know you're thinking, oh, it's got to be Savior. It's got to be Christ. Nope. That one right there. You know what Lord means? It means he is the king of all kings. It means he is the Lord over all lords. It was a title that was given to Jesus to say he is over everything. He is above everything. 
He is more powerful than the darkness. He can break the power of death. He can change a sick person to health. I mean, everything in the gospel is a story of him calming the storm and literally telling the, the waves to cease. His power is revealed all through. And what is it? It's all about that title. But where you really see that come into play is whenever Paul writes, after he had suffered and died, he came and gave himself for us on a cross. And he was doing that out of obedience to the Father. And when he did that, look what Paul said. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So here's the question. What name did he give him? Because one day, at that name, according to this scripture, you're going to bow. I mean, it doesn't matter what you believe today. One day, you're going to bow. And one day, you're going to confess that Jesus is Lord. And not just you, not just me. But every living person, every person who's ever lived on the planet or anywhere else as far as that goes. And those even in heaven, who is that? The angels. And then this kind of gets you all jacked up in my opinion. Those under the earth. Who is that? Demons and the devils of hell and Satan himself will get on his knees and will confess with his lips that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, what is the name that God gave him? Some say, well, it's Jesus. Nope, I don't think so. Jesus was a common name. It's uh, Christ. Well, Messiah, it could be. But it doesn't appear that that's the name we're going to be saying that day when we see him and we bow before him. It just seems obvious to me. The name the Father gave him is Lord. So that at that name, Every one of us will say, Jesus, you really are Lord. Now, here's the good news. We don't have to wait till then. Why wait till then? Why not today say, Jesus, you are Lord? And let me tell you why. What you and I say about him doesn't change who he is. It changes who we are. It doesn't change who he is. You can't make him Lord. I've said that before. Hey, make Jesus Lord today. That's nonsense. You and I don't have a vote in it. The Father has already given that name above every name. It's not going to be voted on in Congress. There is one Lord, and his name is Jesus. And you and I get to affirm that, acknowledge it. And when we do, it, it doesn't change him, but it changed me. I mean, it's like a wall back there. You can say, well, I don't believe that wall. Well, then run into it. <laughs> Just know this. The greatest thing about this season is we get to see him in all the festivities and all the celebration. And we get to say, Jesus, I believe you are the Lord. And I want to invite you today. If you've never put your trust in him, you've never said, Jesus, you are my Lord. Now, what that means is that he's in control of your life. He's in control. He's the boss. He's the CEO. He is the king. And if you've never declared that, 
My goodness. This will be the greatest Christmas ever. I want us to bow together, wherever you are, whatever environment. Just pause for a moment. I'm going to ask you first to, to help me. Because I want to be very, very sensitive to you. If there's someone in this room, and you would say, Pastor, I, I've always known these things. But today, I believe. And I want Jesus as the Lord of my life. I just want you to raise your hand. I'm going to pray directly for you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Raise your hand. You say today, Jesus, I, I really do. Today, I want you to walk in my life as the Lord of my life. Thank you. Wow, all over this room. Can, can I just lead you in a prayer? Certainly anyone pray this, but certainly those that lifted their hands, for sure. Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth for me. Thank you for giving your life for me. I believe you are the Lord. I believe you are the Christ. I believe you are my Savior. Take my sin. I give it to you. Forgive me. And I will follow you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.